a sharp spike in hate crimes. This is no way to live. We're living in 2022. The alarming numbers and why some victims never speak out. Attacked at a SkyTrain station. There was a bit of a verbal confrontation between the two men. A stranger assault caught on camera. And gas price relief. We're looking at measures to put money back in people's pockets. Hints that help is on the way for frustrated drivers. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. Disturbing new data from Statistics Canada is reinforcing what we've been hearing from community leaders and police. Canada is experiencing a spike in hate crimes. As Neetu Karcher reports, many fear the incidents that are actually reported are just the tip of the iceberg. What I'd like to see is really this continued focus on it. VPD Deputy Chief Howard Chow says especially just days after the latest targeted attack on the Chinese Cultural Center, the new national numbers on hate crimes don't draw much surprise. There's a lot of crimes that are going underreported. The Stats Canada data shows 2,669 police-reported incidents in Canada in 2020, with B.C. second behind Ontario for the highest number of hate crimes reported that year. The numbers also show a 37% increase in hate crimes in the first year of the pandemic compared to the previous year. How that translates is, is that you have seniors that don't leave their homes. They don't go for their nightly walks. They don't go to the, Families don't take their kids to the park because they're afraid of what might happen. The numbers suggest from 2019 to 2020, a 301% increase in hate crimes targeting East or Southeast Asian people, 91% for crimes against the black population, those against Indigenous people up 152%, and against South Asians by 47%. These stats are probably 10 times as high. We're looking at the, the RCMP website where it talks about how to report a hate crime. But this is all in English. Stephen No says while the VPD now has an online hate crime reporting tool available in over a dozen languages, most police departments in B.C. don't offer the same. He says it took too long to report his own experience when he was in his car stopped at an intersection last spring. I heard these two people next to me saying, you call me a racial slur. Uh, and then they proceeded to throw garbage at my car and they sped off. And I was like, Is this for real? He hopes an RCMP pilot project on reporting hate-motivated incidents through an online reporting tool will spread across the province. If you see something like this, at the very least, call 911, stick around, be a good witness. Nitu Garcha, Global News, Vancouver. And now to Vancouver's latest stranger attack. It started as a brief interaction and led to a man being pushed down a flight of stairs at a busy SkyTrain station. Police are searching for a suspect in his 40s. Amadagahi reports on the VPD's growing strategy of releasing crime scene video in the hopes of identifying and catching suspects. The Granville Street SkyTrain station is one of the busiest in the city and surrounded by surveillance cameras, some of which have captured this video from March 1st. It shows the moment Vancouver police say a 61-year-old man was assaulted by a stranger. That suspect then pushed him down a flight of stairs, uh, approached him and kicked him. The victim's injuries were minor. The suspect slowly leaves the scene and now police are looking to identify and speak to him. 
We are confident that there was a verbal confrontation. We know that. We are looking to speak to the, the suspect in this case, because right now we only have one side of the stories. Police say they are seeing a spike in random assaults, more than four incidents a day on average. Anytime this happens, whether it be one a day or four a day, it's obviously very concerning for us. Um, we, uh, you know, try our best to solve these uh, situations or these incidents when they do happen. Police have found success releasing videos of crimes in all of these incidents seen here. The suspects were found and arrested after police got tips from the public. We've had had great success in solving these types of cases in weeks prior. So uh, whether it be uh, your news viewers watching and calling in or just people calling police, we really encourage people if they see something to say something. In this case, the many bystanders and the fact that it was 5.30 in the afternoon couldn't stop what happened. But police are confident with help from the public, they can find the person responsible. Emadagahi. Global News. Abbotsford police are warning the public about a sex offender being released from the Matsqui Institution. Sean Joshua Deacon has a long criminal history dating back three decades. Conditions of his release mean he is banned from a number of places, including public parks, schools, and anywhere anyone under the age of 16 might be present. He's also not allowed to possess weapons or electronics with internet access. Deacon plans to live in Abbotsford. If you see him violating any of those conditions, you are asked to call police immediately. All right, turning now to the pandemic, here's a look at our latest COVID-19 numbers. We have 290 people in hospital. 46 of those patients are in the ICU, and that includes one person under the age of 12. There have been six more deaths recorded due to complications of COVID-19, and we have 199 new confirmed cases of the virus. Canada's Chief Public Health Officer, Dr. Theresa Tam, is hinting federal vaccine mandates could soon be a thing of the past. Catherine Urquhart has more on what changes could be coming across the country and here in B.C. Some vaccine mandates in Canada may soon be ending. I know that uh, those policies are under evaluation or review, um, including, um, for example, the, the federal for the federal workers. Currently, all federal public servants are required to be vaccinated, along with those in the transportation sector. The review of federal vaccine mandates comes amid what's being called a transition phase by Canadian health officers. I'm not surprised um, that this came out now. Uh, uh, this is, seems like the natural direction things have been going on, especially over the last few months. When we look at um, what we've been learning about Omicron. Vaccine mandates are shifting everywhere. In B.C., healthcare workers in acute and long-term care must be vaccinated, but the province dropped plans to make it a condition of licensing for others, like registered massage therapists. Also, some school districts say they'll no longer enforce vaccine mandates. Our vaccine rates have gone up among staff. We're at a very high rate at over 91%, and so we're very pleased with that. So the program's been successful so far. And uh, it's on pause. As for lifting federal vaccine mandates, no timeline has been given. We're seeing BA2 increasing globally. And in particular, some of the Asian countries. Um, and there is also a 
smaller uh, uptick in some European countries at the moment. Canada's public health officials continue to encourage mask wearing, warning that we remain in a period of uncertainty with the virus. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Well, the province is providing an update today on its efforts to replace the aging George Massey Tunnel. Transportation Minister Rob Fleming says progress on the new eight-lane tunnel is coming along. Officials are looking at installing a bus lane to make commuting easier for transit users. Fleming also gave reassurances today that the mayors of Richmond and Delta both support the project. The tunnel replacement is slated to be complete by 2030. The three components of the program, cycling and transit improvements, a new Steveson interchange, and a new tunnel, will allow vehicles, including public transit, to move faster and save valuable travel time for residents of Metro Vancouver. What we're talking about here on Highway 99 is a matter of the quality of life. It's the quality of life of the people in Richmond. It's the people who have to commute on the corridor. And it's also a matter of more efficient transportation uh, on this route. Work is also beginning this year on a five-lane Steveston interchange, replacing the existing two-lane overpass at Steveston Highway and Highway 99. Well, people who rely on transit in the Sea to Sky region are still stuck without a ride, with talks breaking off once again between the transit drivers and their employer. The bus strike is now heading into its eighth week, as Paul Johnson reports, placing an even greater burden on some residents in the area. In Sea to Sky country, the chief local concern right now is how to get there from here. Got to take the cab to and from work just because the buses haven't started up yet. We caught up with Elijah Mackey Friday, who cabbed it into his job as a cook at the old spaghetti factory in Whistler. The cab set him back 20 bucks, where the bus would normally cost him 250. It's not sustainable which is precisely what the striking drivers say is happening in their world. I'm a busy transit driver for well, Sea to Sky. I've been working here for about five years, and I have no benefits. Picket lines and barrel fires. Not the scenario any tourism economy wants. Not on the cusp of spring season and with COVID restrictions finally lifting. But the situation is total impasse. Uh, frankly, the issue is wages. The issue is the cost of living in Whistler, Squamish and Pemberton. And uh, the fact is, is that BC Transit and other, other transit workers have wages that are significantly higher just down the road. This is hard. Karen Elliott is the mayor of Squamish. They've backed away from the table again. And, you know, I've had a few emails today from citizens that are looking for updates. We have people that have gone into debt trying to get cabs to work. We have families who can't get to, to school, to services, to medical appointments. So, you know, there's this sort of grand assumption that, that people have access to cars. And it's, it's simply not true. Back in Whistler, though, Elijah was able to put his transportation conundrum into perspective. He's had 65 days snowboarding already this year. In Whistler, Paul Johnson, Global News. Tired of the pain at the pump? Relief is coming. Our one-on-one -on -one with Premier John Horgan and what he told about uh, told our Richard Zussman about high gas prices. The Global Exclusive next on the News Hour. I'm speaking to you today because there are things that are going on in the world 
that are being kept from you, terrible things that you should know about. Arnold Schwarzenegger's message to the people of Russia and Vladimir Putin later on the news hour. Oh, whoa! Plus, hot mail fire at a Canada Post facility later. Right now, though, many have been calling on the province to provide some relief at the pumps as gas prices reach record highs. Alberta has paused its provincial fuel tax. And in an exclusive interview with Global BC, Premier John Horgan is hinting some kind of benefit is coming to BC next week, too. Richard Zussman has more. The pressure has been going up about as fast as these prices. Now the province finally revealing it has some relief for the gas pump pains. Uh, We are working on a plan for drivers and we'll have more to say about that. We want to make sure we're going through our processes within government so we're making the right choices and not making it worse, quite frankly. In an extensive interview with Global BC, BC Premier John Horgan says the plan will come next week. This is prices stay steady, over $2 a litre, impacting everything from taxi rides to supply chains to getting to soccer practice. I don't want to give... uh, people false hope until we've gone through our processes. It's important, I think, that we be consistent. And one of the things I'm I'm proud of about our government is that we've managed the finances of the province fairly effectively. So making uh, off-the-cuff remarks because it's popular is not going to help us in the long term. The province has already ruled out various tools. A cut in gas taxes would just be made up by profits for the gas companies. Capping gas prices like New Brunswick does is seen here as potentially harmful. One option the province could consider is a direct rebate to drivers through ICBC. We have tools. Uh, I mean, some have said, well, it's, it's the taxes. Well, it's not the taxes. Russia's invasion in Ukraine has disrupted the market, but also led to gas companies operating here making big profits. Driving the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives to propose a windfall tax, taxing those companies benefiting from war and transferring money back to either transit users or drivers. Right now, uh, a lot of the pain at the pumps is really just uh, profit flowing into the pockets of uh, executives and shareholders of the big oil companies. The BC Utilities Commission is currently tracking gas prices, the goal to stop gouging. So far, they have found nothing illegal. Uh, We changed the law so that the distributors of gasoline will have someone looking over their shoulder. Horgan also quick to point out, any talk of relief is cold comfort for those drowning financially at the pumps. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. All right, Keith Baldry is live now with more on our one-on-one with the Premier today. Keith, uh, namely contract talks with public sector Mm -hmm. employees. And you talked about this earlier this week. Things are ratcheting up. Yeah, it's going to be a very tough bargaining year. Almost 400,000 public sector workers have their empl- uh, their contracts largely expired at the end of this month. And guess what's arrived on the stage? Inflation like never, be- well, like we haven't seen since the 1990s. Uh, interestingly today, this is a full page ad in the province taken out by five public sector unions, BC Teachers Federation, BC Government Employees Union, uh, Hospital Employees Union, uh, QPBC, and the Health Science Association, making the point they have to keep up with inflation. Inflation's 5%. That involves a lot of money. John Horton we're going to addressing that today. What I want to do in the time I have available is to make sure we have a human resource strategy to make sure that we get the right people to do the work that's needed. Does that involve negotiations with big unions in British Columbia? Absolutely it does. But we need to we need more money coming in. 
So again, back to this ad, which mentions inflation as something that has to be tackled head on. Inflation now running in excess of 5%. I did the math the other night. A 5% wage increase straight across the board for all unions over three years, and the government usually looks for a three-year term, equals about $10 billion over the life of that term. That's basically the entire contingency fund for three years, leaving no money for wildfire fights, fighting costs, floods, weather events and such. So a bargaining year like we haven't seen for decades is shaping up. It's going to be a tough battle. Premier Horgan not only has the oil gas uh, oil gas price riddle on his uh, plate, he's also going to be facing some pretty steep offers uh, and requests from his public sector unions. Well, that'll keep you busy. All right. It's reporting on it. Thanks very much, yeah. Keith. Up next, the grim reality on the ground in Ukraine. Those cities are destroyed. Life is destroyed and taken. The mounting toll of Russia's offensive just ahead. And later, looking for their forever home, the slowdown in the pandemic pet craze. Traffic is steady in both directions over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge now after a busy afternoon. Keep in mind, there are delays for southbound traffic during the overnight hours for bridge joint repairs. Sussex Insurance are your community auto plan experts. For questions about recent ICBC changes or to find a location near you, visit sussexinsurance.com today. I'm Trish Jewison and Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Children cannot learn when they are hungry. Food insecurity also affects their mental health. That's why Global News and the Grocery Foundation are partnering for Toonies for Tummies and nourishing children in countless communities. Donate today to Toonies for Tummies in-store or online. A warning before our next story. Some of the images are disturbing, but it is the reality in Ukraine. After days of Russian attacks targeting Ukrainian civilians and non-military targets, a clearer picture is emerging of the overwhelming scale of the devastation. As Aaron MacArthur reports, the constant attacks have forced millions of people from their homes and caused thousands of civilian deaths. The graves are dug everywhere in Mariupol, but there are still more bodies to bury. This man says his mother-in-law is lying just over there. She survived Leningrad. She had a Russian passport. People here have endured weeks of near constant shelling. Now they're unsure how or if they can get out. This woman says, I feel terrible. I'm disgusted. I feel scared and cold. I was not ready for my life to become like this. Friday, the Ukrainian president suggested 130 people were rescued from the bombed-out theater near the waterfront. But there are said to be more civilians still trapped under the rubble in the basement. In the capital, rockets hit indiscriminately. This woman says the missile hit her apartment building. I'm barely alive myself. Everyone urging the international community to do more to stop this bloodshed. Life is getting lost. Not just the infrastructure, life is getting lost. While the Russian invasion has ground to a crawl, Vladimir Putin showing no signs of concession holding a rally in Moscow's largest sports stadium. State TV beaming images of Russian support for their leader. The UN now estimates more than 3 million people have fled Ukraine. 6 million more have been displaced internally. Many left with nothing to go back to. 
This woman says, I don't know where I'm going to live. Where am I going to work? Who's going to help me? Despite the random destruction and mounting losses, people who have remained behind refuse to give in, but are faced with the grim reality of this invasion at every moment. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. A Hollywood heavyweight is coming out swinging against Russia. No one likes to hear something critical of the government. I understand that. But as a longtime friend of the Russian people, I hope that you will hear what I have to say. Arnold Schwarzenegger has issued a direct message to the people of Russia, telling them they are being lied to about the war in Ukraine. In the nine-minute video, the actor and former politician accused Russian President Vladimir Putin of sacrificing Russian soldiers' lives for his own ambitions. Schwarzenegger is hugely popular in Russia and apparently with Putin as well. He is one of only 22 accounts Putin follows on Twitter. A Czech designer has found a unique way to raise money for Ukraine. Tomas Brinak is making pillows with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky's face on them. His idea has proven to be successful with more than 2,000 pillows already sold. Proceeds are going to a charity helping Ukrainians affected by the war. Brinak says he now plans to make another batch because of the strong interest. All right, coming up, a pillow to help ease anxiety. It just has a lovely, intuitive, simple feel to it. Coming up, new research on how hugging a cushion can help lower stress. Plus, drama at Canada Post, the fiery scene that stopped work today. Traffic is now steady in both directions over here on Highway 99 to and from the Mass Sea Tunnel. After clearing two separate problems earlier today where traffic was backed up both ways. Through a new charitable partnership between Kermat Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermat Collision and Autoglass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Centre. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Massey Tunnel. At least three mail trucks are badly damaged after a fire at a depot in East Vancouver. Oh, whoa! Explosions could be heard as fire trucks arrived at a Canada Post facility on East Hastings this morning. Flames quickly spread to two other trucks before firefighters got the blaze under control. Smoke also filled the building, forcing its evacuation. One truck was destroyed. Its driver compartment, windshield and roof completely burned away. Fortunately, though, no injuries. Investigators are trying to find the cause of the fire. Well, after a major rush to find a new furry companion during the early months of the pandemic, the pace of animal adoptions has slowed down. At one point, the average length of stay for dogs at the Surrey Animal Resource Centre was just 11 days. But as people's lives are returning to normal, the demand for a new forever friend has diminished. Now several pooches, like Honey here, have been on site at the Surrey shelter for more than three months. The longer an animal stays in care, obviously the more resources it needs. Sometimes we'll see behavioral or even medical, so immune systems can kind of be compromised by the stress of being in the shelter long term. Um, boredom sets in, sometimes depression, or, you know, it, it, it's just overall their welfare tends to suffer the longer they're in the shelter. It's estimated nearly three in ten Canadian fa families adopted a pet during the pandemic. 
In Health Matters tonight, many people have experienced anxiety over the last two years. Some for the first time, others have seen their symptoms worsen. Now scientists in England say they have found a new way to help cope, and the tool may be useful in a variety of circumstances. When it comes to stressful situations, taking college exams ranks right up there. So the University of Bristol was the perfect setting for British researchers to test their new anti-anxiety device. What we got them to do was a maths test. So we had them to do some sequencing of numbers, some of which were impossible. Um, so we really ramped up the level of anxiety. They tested more than 100 students, giving a third of them this breathing cushion to hug before the exam. Its hidden inflatable pouch simulates slow breathing. That reduced their pre-test anxiety. So they still got anxious, but they got less anxious than if we gave them no intervention whatsoever. Based on questionnaires, researchers found anxiety scores for cushion-hugging students were similar to those who meditated. It just has a lovely, intuitive simple feel to it. Textile designer Annie Lywood helped create the calming cushion and says dementia patients also find it comforting. Made them smile, which was lovely, and they didn't want to let go of the cushion. And they all said, oh, I remember when my child was this size. Testing is still in the early stages, and the pillow hasn't been tried on patients with diagnosed anxiety disorders, but researchers are hopeful. We can use therapies, we can use pharmaceutical interventions, but they take time, they cost money, whereas a cushion is just something people intuitively interact with. And scientists say just a quick cuddle can put anxiety to rest. Tina Krause, CBS News, London. Up next, travel makes a comeback. Certainly this is one of our busiest days since COVID started. The spike in bookings as restrictions ease. Also ahead, a Stanley Park fixture gets a refresh. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Well, this spring break, many B.C. families are taking holidays, and for some, that getaway includes flying, something many haven't done since the pandemic began. Air travel is rebounding quickly now that restrictions are being eased, so much so. As Claudia Van Emmerich reports, airlines are having to adjust to meet the pent-up demand. After spending the last two spring breaks at home, the Welch family is about to take to the skies. We're going to Hawaii. We haven't been on a family trip in two years. With the pandemic grounding a lot of would-be travelers since March of 2020, the Kelowna family decided they were due for a holiday, despite having to take extra steps to travel. Brought a lot of anxiety. Last night we were doing all the testing kits, making sure we didn't touch anything. So it's actually another layer to go on a trip. But we've been waiting so long that we just, we needed to do it. But with many travel restrictions being eased, air travel is picking up in a big way. On Friday alone, about 6,600 passengers were expected to come through Kelowna International Airport. Certainly this is one of our busiest days since COVID started. It's very, very positive. You know, we've, our industry has gone through uh, some very, very difficult uh, times over the last two years. But after being locked down for so long, the pent-up demand for travel is growing fast and furious. 
some of the airlines uh, this morning, they're seeing people book right now to travel tomorrow, for example. Uh, so they're seeing, a, a, you know, people just want to get out. So much so that airlines are having to adjust to meet the increased demand. As we get into spring and summer, uh, the number of seats that we'll have available out of Kelowna will be higher than what we had uh, uh, pre-pandemic. While travel restrictions are loosening, there are still a number of protocols travelers must be aware of before booking that vacation and boarding a plane. It's really important to understand where you're going and understand what the testing requirements are for your destination because they could be very different. For example, uh, going to the U.S. right now, you still require an antigen test within 24 hours of travel. The other piece is, is vaccine. You require uh, proof of vaccination. Uh, whether you're tra traveling domestically or internationally, it doesn't matter. The Welch family says it's all worth it for a holiday they've been waiting for for a very long time. I'm excited to go swimming and snorkeling and, yeah, just be cool to see palm trees and, like, and like for a while, for some in a while. Claudia Vanemmer, Global News, Kelowna. Oh, so many people enjoying palm trees and snorkeling and swimming right now. Maybe not here so much for that. Russia, but... <laughs> I know. We, we, we've had quite the week for March break for some of the kids out there. And hey, but we've been spoiled. Since the noon hour, we've had no precipitation. Can you believe it, Sophie? Since well, the noon that's hour. that's big. <laughs> I know. Uh, but that's about to change. So later this evening, we are expecting the rain to make a comeback. It is 10 degrees. That was our daytime high for today. And this evening, after the 8, 9 p.m. hour, that's when we're expecting the rain to make a comeback. Heavy at times. Saturday morning is going to be a soggy one. Then into the afternoon, even late morning. The rain should be subsiding and it's going to be a dry afternoon. Here's hoping. And we do have still the chance of precipitation. Nine will be our daytime high. So this is the system that's producing all the rain. It is snow at higher elevations. Even tonight we have that potential. And then the front over the north coast. Yeah, it's giving us rain, but even the potential for thunderstorms tomorrow. I had to dust off these graphics. We haven't used these since uh, last summer, but look at this. Areas anywhere from the north coast extending to the central interior has that potential for thunderstorms tomorrow afternoon, and that also means there's even a chance of seeing some hail embedded in that too, so a heads up there. Also, as far as snowfall goes at higher elevations, heaviest amounts will be over the Coquihalla as well as Highway 3, Paulson Summit to Kootenai Pass. It's 5 to 10 centimeters of snow. See this guy? It's only closer to Whistler Village that we get about two centimeters of snow. Everybody else, it's rain. And here's how much rain we're looking at. A good 20 millimeters of rain. That's through the overnight and your Saturday morning. Just a few more millimeters to go through the day on your Sunday. So it's going to be a little unsettled. And then Sunday night, the next system arrives and brings us more rain, an additional 30 millimeters possible. So your tomorrow looks like this. The northeast of the province looking good. Increasing cloudiness above seasonal by about five degrees. And then there's that risk of thunderstorms right across the central interior and the southern, uh, sorry, the northern, um, the north coast. Quinell could get those thunderstorms. It's a chance of flurries changing over to a chance of showers in the central interior. And over here, we've got showery conditions, as is the case over the south coast. Some of us will be clearing out, though, over the Sunshine Coast and parts of Vancouver Island will get some sunshine tomorrow. And there's a look at your long range for Metro Vancouver. Now, your Centra windows, weather window, we're going to Christina Lake here. And I love this one. This is Thor and Sky. They're waiting for the lake to melt. Aww. One more day till spring, guys. They are clearly related. I don't look at them. <laughs> Just staring. Wow. All right. Thank you, Kasha.
An old and much-loved fixture of a Stanley Park playground is returning to its place of honour after some much-needed TLC. For more than 50 years, the young and not-so-young have climbed aboard and pretended to race to put out a fire. This truck in the Separately Park playground is not just a toy. It served the Vancouver Fire Department from 1928 to 1967, but... Of course, time takes its toll on all of us, so staff have spent the past six weeks spiffing up the truck, scraping off the rust and giving it a shiny new coat of red paint. It's just fantastic to see the fire truck back. It's such an iconic piece of Stanley Park. I remember playing on it when I was a kid here in uh, the early 70s and uh, my dad worked downtown and we would all come down with my mom and have a picnic in the park and one of the biggest thrills was playing on the fire truck here. The picture-perfect truck was originally built in Toronto. It will turn 100 in 2028. All right, let's bring in Squire now with a look ahead to sports. Hello, Squire. Hello, welcome back. Thank you, thank you. I'm glad to see the rain. I missed it. Well, we had it Being just for desert. you. We wanted you to feel right at home when you yes, got back from Yes, yeah, California. familiarity. <laughs> Uh, so Bruce Boudreaux was not a happy man after last night's Canucks game. We'll uh, talk about what they have to do this weekend because it's a big weekend for Vancouver. Another big day for Adam Havin at the Valspar and the Whitecaps might be missing another key piece for their game this Sunday against LAFC. All right, that's coming up. Also tonight, you made it through another week. So satellite debris is your reward. consumers having issues with scammers, price gougers, corner cutters, con artists, or big business bullies. Help is here. Andrewa investigates consumer matters on Global News. Hi, did you miss me? I did, actually. I mean, Colleen did a very nice job in your absence, but I did miss you. Yeah, I was only... A and I missed days. the other guy, too. He's gone for another week. Oh, but... is he? Okay. Mm -hmm. But I did manage to catch a glimpse of him down in, in Palm Springs. All right, what do you have for us? Okay, so uh, Bruce Boudreaux made it clear yesterday. We heard it on this show. He didn't want his team to take Detroit lightly. He told his players, he told everybody at the pregame press conference, but apparently the message didn't get through to the Canucks, and Vancouver lost the game and lost ground in the playoff race as well. Everybody else was winning last night while the Canucks were losing to the Red Wings 1-0. It was almost like we were arrogant that we were, you know, <clears throat> this is, we're going to take care of this game pretty easy, and, and we were like la-di-da. Even though the Canucks fired 43 shots at Alex Nedeljkovic, there wasn't a lot of traffic in front of him. He saw most of those shots. You got the sense that Canucks weren't willing to outwork the Red Wings for the win. We were just casual, I guess is the word I'm looking for, and, and anytime you're casual and you're not sharp and you're doing things uh, quickly, then, I mean, teams were going to knock down. We just uh, uh, didn't have any uh, anything. Like, I mean, I, I just thought it was lack of effort. Yeah, I think the past two games have kind of gotten too many track meets and trading chances, and um, if you start trading chances, you're not going to, you know, sometimes you're going to end up on the other side, and... Um, you know, our game isn't training chances. 
So now the Canucks go into a back-to-back -back weekend with the Flames tomorrow, whom the Canucks did beat 7-1 in February, and Buffalo on Sunday, another team that is one of those clubs you cannot take lightly. The margin for error is so small with our group that it's, uh, I mean, we have bounced back and then we have been resilient. I mean, uh, but I mean, it's uh, this weekend, it's going to be, you know, it's... It, because of the the road trip that we're going on, it's a, it's a pretty vital weekend if we want to continue to 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 hunt these guys down. I know you may not like Brad Marchand, but you're probably hoping he and his team win tonight because the Jets are one point behind the Canucks. This is second period action. This is nice. Marchand, DeBrusque, Marchand, and it's in. One more look. Nice knockdown there. And then Marchand has the easy tap in to make it 1-0 for the Bruins. And then Trent Frederick shows some patience around the net as well. Goes by Hellebuck, and it's 2-0 late in the second period for Boston. Well, if it's not bad enough that the Vancouver Whitecaps have to play LAFC on the road this Sunday, one of the best teams in MLS, with a goalkeeper who knows the Whitecaps like the back of his goalie gloves, we're talking about Max Crapo, they may have to do it without two of their best offensive weapons. Now, we already know Brian White can't play in this game because of a foot injury, but Ryan Gold hurt himself in the last game Vancouver had. He has a bothersome abductor muscle, and he is questionable to make the trip. Uh, what we're going trying to do is uh, to test him tomorrow morning and see if he's going to be able to, to, to travel or not. Uh, the decision will be uh, done not only if he can be able to play, but how risky it is if he can play, if he can pick, a, uh, I would say, a bigger injury. So uh, we'll have the 100% uh, certainty on if he's going to be part of the group tomorrow morning. Ooh, that's one tough sand trap. Uh, okay, it's the Valspar, it's round two, and it's Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin, who was in a four-way tie with the, for the lead after one round. There he is sinking a birdie on the eighth. He'd get another birdie here on the 16th. Shot 66, he's minus 12. He's alone in second place. He won this five years ago, his only PGA victory, so he knows this course well and he loves it. He has a good position going into the weekend, but this is the guy he's chasing. Matthew Neesmith, and this is a great shot here. He shot 61 today. He leads by two at minus 14. But the shot of the day, Joseph Bromlett, from about 101 yards away. This is on the 18th. This is what you want to have happen on the 18th hole. Just pull the string. And it's drinks for everybody in the clubhouse. Nice eagle. The Cleveland Browns have made a huge trade for quarterback Deshaun Watson, sending three first-round draft picks to the Houston Texans for him. In addition, the Browns will sign him to a five-year, $230 million contract, which, of course, now means Cleveland is going to have to move quarterback Baker Mayfield to someone else. Now, Watson didn't play last season. He is facing 22 lawsuits alleging sexual misconduct and inappropriate conduct during massage sessions. Sessions make that. Last week, a Texas grand jury declined to indict Watson on criminal charges. And the Packers traded star receiver Devontae Adams to the Las Vegas Raiders for first and second round draft picks. He was unhappy with Green Bay over his contract situation. He likes this new contract. Five years with the Raiders, worth $141 million. Reunites him with his college quarterback, Derek Carr, but takes him away from Aaron Rodgers. And those two were perhaps the most dangerous duo in football out of Green Bay.
Canada's Mikhail Kingsbury won the individual mogul race today in France, and with it, he wins the Crystal Globe for the season series. That's the 10th time he has done that. He can now win the dual moguls Crystal Globe tomorrow in France as well. And there you go. Just watching that makes my knees hurt, but I'm sure he's fine. He'll be okay. <laughs> Thank you, Squire. Uh, Squire's got satellite debris for you next. Stick around. All right, Squire, satellite debris. I have no idea what you have coming up. Okay. Are there any avocados or singing animals? Chickens. Mm. No, unfortunately, no avocados, no singing animals. But in the first segment, we do have big, recognizable Hollywood stars. <laughs> If you've got your crew in Miller Lite, you've got Miller time. It's Miller time! But what if one of your crew is Ken Jung? <laughs> What's with the pig? Wait. No way! Did you I'm late. I came straight from work. Man, this line's ridiculous. No joke. Ken! I'm that guy from that thing! Give me one! Miller Lite. Hey, wait! It's not just a good time, it's Miller time. This new Verizon 5G internet, it's powerful magic, but can it handle a karaoke jam? I can feel my pants when I'm with you, but I love it. Yes, I love it. I can feel my pants with you. Have you seen it? I must find it. Help me. I wasn't sure what was going on there. It was a time when that dance was cool. Um, okay, so I thought we'd go back in time here and break out the old... Well, this is almost a talking animal. It's the trunk monkey. Here you go. Here to get my car? $85. You said 75 earlier. That was it. I just walked five miles. And I hope them shoes you got on is comfortable. <laughs> monkey can drive that just happened the trunk monkey auto recovery system only at suburban auto group so it's not a singing animal but it's a driving animal. driving very helpful the we'll trunk monkey it. is very helpful okay this one's a little longer than normal but it is it's an epic you might want to say from tropicana could be worse it's a lovely day today. So whatever you've got to do, you've got a lovely day to do it in. That's true. And I hope whatever you've got to do is something that can be done by two. For I really like to stay. Something that must be done, and it can only be done by one. There is nothing more to say. 
step It's a lovely day for saying It's a lovely day Or I'd really like to say bottle of Tropicana, according mm -hmm. to that commercial, it doesn't matter what happens as no. long as you have one in your hand. It's coffee for me. Mm. Yeah, me too. Or coffee. wine. Which I, I was thinking that, <laughs> yeah, the filter was on. You could mix Friday the night. orange, you could mix the Tropicana <laughs> with and have the I was already all over that, mimosas. <laughs> all right, all since right. it is Friday. It and um, we're saying goodbye to winter, finally. We are on Sunday morning at 8.33 a.m. Spring equinox arrives, and it's going to be a nine-degree kind of day, a little bit below seasonal. Look at that, double-digit. Temperature is in the mid-teens by Tuesday, Wednesday. Something to look forward to. And tomorrow we've got rain, heavy at times in the morning, and then clearing in the afternoon. I know Squire feels that spring has already arrived, at least it has. allergies are concerned. The allergy people know spring's already here. It has been here for a couple weeks for sure. All right, that's all the time we have tonight. Thanks for joining us. Have a good weekend.